Welcome back. This is a soft count. Well, sorry I haven't posted this week. I um, live in the Midwest, and we got hit with really bad storms, and we have been in a blackout for about three days. It really sucked because it's been about 105 to 110 degrees all week long, no AC, no power. I've been kind of roaming around the state looking for places with power, AC, you know, loaded up the dogs, and we hit the road with the wife, headed out towards a a lake that had some power. We crashed there for a few days, and I haven't been able to really talk on my pod, but I'm back. We got power. We got another storm on the way, too. You know what's funny? And and we're about to get into the uh, Golden State, but what's funny is growing up in the Midwest – it was really known as an area where there was no natural disasters. The area I lived in, especially, like we don't even get tornadoes here, like nothing. It just rains all the time. People think Seattle's rainy. Where I live is probably the rainiest place in the fucking planet. I love it though. I'm a dreary person by nature. I host my podcast from a finished basement. You know, I'm, I'm a very, uh, <laughs> I'm a loner. I have a few friends, and most of them I just contact through the internet at this point. <clears throat> Anyway, in recent years, we get these things called derechos in the Midwest. It's like a fucking land hurricane. I'd never even heard of one growing up. I didn't even know it was a thing. And now they're like a regular occurrence. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, for five minutes, it's like 200-mile-an-hour winds. And it is fucking nuts. And then it just goes away. Like five minutes go by, and it's over. But the entire fucking city's destroyed. (laughs) We've had a couple of them. I was driving in my fucking car one time when it hit, and a goddamn log flew by me and hit the windshield of my car and was wedged into my windshield. Like a, it would appear like a tornado, like the same kind of shit a tornado is, but it's straight line winds instead of it being like a circular motion. It's just all of a sudden, you know, 150 mile to 250 mile an hour straight line wind hits the city. It's very weird. So that's where I've been. I haven't been around. Apologies. I'm back now. Hopefully this next storm uh, coming up doesn't knock us out again. We'll see. So Golden State are the champs, as we've been saying for over a month, really before, even before they were even in the uh, Western Conference Finals, I've been saying they're going to win I th- pretty much at the beginning of the playoffs. I'm like, there's nobody that can beat them. And I think if, if, I think if Milwaukee didn't have Chris Middleton get hurt and he got through, we, we probably would have seen a better series between Milwaukee and Golden State. They were probably the best team in the East, really, just because Giannis is so dominant. He's like the LeBron of the East, you know, now. But Gold Boston was terrible. Jason Tatum was terrible. I kept saying they suck. They just suck. I don't know. They got lucky in that one game without Horford going James on everybody and scoring fucking 30. And then they had a, and then Golden State had a bad game. Like I said they would. They usually give you one bad game. And then that was it. And then they turned it up, and uh, nobody on Boston played well at all, ever. Steph Curry got his MVP award, his due award. I'm happy for him. Draymond Green played well in the last game. He got a double-double. He had 12 points. He was plus 16, on the, and he uh, eight assists. He almost had a triple-double. It was a solid performance, his last game. If he would have played... Uh, Going into that game, he had seven points in the series total. If he didn't play a game like that in the series, 
and I'm Steph Curry, I might go to the fucking management and be like, he doesn't get a ring when we win. <laughs> like, yes, he's done nothing. But he did play well in that last game, and he gets another ring, which always just drives me crazy because it's just like one of those – you know he's going to be like Shaq in, in his post-career, like how Shaq is towards Charles about his ring. Like he uses that to justify anything he says. I got rings. And it's like, ah, yeah, you do. And you scored – two points through three games in the finals and I got to listen to you talk about having rings. It just ugh, sucks. But whatever. I guess he's the first ballot Hall of Famer, everybody thinks. He sucks, but they won. I'm happy for him. I really am. Clay Thompson only had 12 points. He's done. If I'm Golden State, you, you can't bring this squad back. You got to move Clay Thompson and Draymond Green. You keep uh, what do you? I mean, you keep Gary Payton the second. You keep Jordan Poole and Kevon Looney. He played really well, and then everything else is like, whatever. They didn't play Kaminga in the series at all. He didn't even get on the court. If I'm Kaminga, I'm looking at Steve Kerr like, "The fuck's wrong with you? <laughs> like, I'm not getting on the court at all." Okay, I'd want out. They got to retool, though. I know people. I've heard a lot of people, including like Charles and Colin, and just the regulars on TV say they got to bring him back. It's like no, they don't. That was the last hoorah with that team, and uh, that that that, and they won it, and they should be really happy with that. But Draymond should probably retire. And if Clay Thompson wants to keep going, I just don't know if Golden State's the place to do it. And honestly, if he wants to keep walking for the rest of his life, he should probably retire too. They got all the rings. They did it. But let's be real real quick. They should have done it in four. They should, And maybe five because Al Horford put on such a great performance, but it should have been done in four or five. And it ended up going six. Boston Celtics were terrible, and it went six. That's a problem. And the reason it went six is because Draymond Green's done and Klay Thompson played terrible. Maybe he comes back, maybe he doesn't, but do you really, with Steph's age, do you really want to keep waiting to find out? And maybe you keep Klay Thompson around, but I would imagine he's worth something. Like, would you rather get rid of Andrew Wiggins or Klay Thompson? And I, the answer to me is clear as day. You keep Andrew Wiggins at this point. He's turned into a little assassin. Grew into his own. He's a really nice player. One of the things that uh, – let's talk about the Celtics real quick because I keep hearing some crazy shit about the Celtics on TV. It's unbelievable. One of the things I keep hearing on TV is that the Celtics need to trade Marcus Smart. One, the city of Boston would lose their shit over that. And two, he played much better than Jason Tatum. One of the, Here's a very telling stat, and I don't know if people realize this about this stat, but it's the stat that tells me the most about if you're trying or if you're not, and that's the rebound stat. Jason Tatum in Game 6 had three rebounds total. Offense and defense combined, he had three rebounds. He is 6'8". Steph Curry had seven. He's my size. (laughs) Draymond Green had 12. Andrew Wiggins had six. Marcus Smart had six. He's six feet tall. Marcus Smart's smaller than me and had six rebounds. Jason Tatum had three. Now, before you freak out and you're like, well, they have they have two big men that get rebounds. It's like, sure. But again, Steph Curry had seven and Marcus Smart had six. Jason Tatum had three. 
So that tells me he's just not trying very hard at all. He was, like, completely disengaged. He, he checked out. He only had 13 points, one for four from the three-point line. He didn't even take more than four shots. It's the elimination game. He had two points in the second half. Ugh. No free throws. Didn't drive to the hoop. Played 40 minutes. I'd trade him. Let him find himself somewhere else. And I would keep Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart and Robert Williams. Al Horford's old. I mean, he can stay if he wants. I don't care. But Jason Tatum, I'm not building around him. Not only is he... I mean, obviously, he's not a superstar, as everybody keeps talking about. I mentioned that fucking ages ago. Like, no, he's not a superstar. He's not even a star. He should probably, with the performance that he just put on in that finals series, he should probably be like Tyler Hero coming off the bench. That was fucking terrible. He can't be your centerpiece. I'm not sure what both of these teams are going to do Obviously, the shit I'm saying, like, they're not going to do. I imagine Golden State's bringing everybody back, and I imagine Jason Tatum will be in Boston, and they're going to move Marcus Smart. However, like, all those ideas are terrible. (laughs) You know, like, I really do think Draymond Green, if he were to retire right now, is going to end up a first ballot Hall of Famer. He should just retire. He, He was terrible all through the playoffs, all through the finals. He had one decent game at the end, and by decent, I mean he had 12 points and 12 rebounds. He still had five turnovers, <laughs> but but whatever. You know, he, he played well enough. He played well. He went two for five from three, so that was half of his points. He nailed two threes. But, yeah, like he's just not it anymore. He can't play at a high enough level to win. Steph Curry legitimately drugged that team and won. It's fucking sweet. By the way, he was the only starter that had any – even went to the line – for free throws on the whole team. Jordan Poole went to the line once, and Gary Payton Jr. went to the line once. Nobody else even got to the line. How? How did Draymond Green not get to the line? That's one of the things that blows my mind. Like, I get it. You're you're scrappy and shit, but, like, how are you not getting to the line? Andrew Wiggins, same thing, didn't get to the free throw line. Man, LeBron James, I, I, I'm starting to worry that LeBron James is actually going to end up in Golden State. I'm worried about it. Because if he does, holy shit. Because here's the thing that people forget about them. They have that Wiseman guy. And uh, if he's playing better next year, he's not hurt or whatever, and he's healthy, he can play center and LeBron could play the four. <laughs> With Steph Curry and Andrew Wiggins. <laughs> at, at You know, Andrew playing the – yeah, the three. Oh, shit. And, you know, Clay Thompson could be out there. They could keep him, but I don't know how they would get LeBron at this point. They'd have to give up Kaminga. They'd have to give up Clay Thompson and Kaminga. And keep, then their starter would be Jordan Poole at that point. I don't know. I would do. I would trade everything if I were Golden State. Why not? You could get another ring easily. Everyone thinks the West is loaded. No, no, it's not. There's a bunch of great players in the West, but they're all on different teams. And so it's kind of – it's not loaded. Really, the East is loaded because there's two teams in the East that can fuck you up, and that's Milwaukee and Miami. Both of those teams are really hard to get through. People thought Phoenix was a hard – like a difficult team to get through. They weren't. The Mavs have one player. The Jazz have one player. 
you know, the, the Denver has one player. Basically, all these teams have one player. Even Golden State had one player now, Steph Curry. That was enough to get it done, but that's it because because Boston didn't have anyone. It's unbelievable they got through. Miami should be ashamed of themselves. Milwaukee has an excuse because Chris Middleton was out, but I went to game seven. Really, <laughs> it's just crazy. Congrats to the Golden State Warriors. They walk away. Good for them. We're going to do fight night pickums a little bit later tonight after the ceremonial weigh-ins. I want to see everybody uh, at their body weight they're going to be fighting at and everything. So we'll talk about that a little bit later. First, I want to talk about the Canadian Grand Prix coming up, Formula One. Those of you that are tuning in for Formula One, that's kind of one of my favorite sports of all time, actually. it's I would argue that Formula One is the sport I watched the most. As a kid... I had a like a stepfather figure growing up. I, I, my my real father's been in and out of jail my whole life. I barely know him. Uh, but <laughs> this this kind of like fatherly figure guy that stepped in. He taught me how to do all kinds of shit. He was like a friend of my mom's growing up. They just knew each other. They went to high school together. But this guy was like a talented musician, just good at all kinds of shit. But he he knew I liked racing, and he was a car guy. He had like a '69 Barracuda, and we used to take it to the Mid Ohio race tracks and shit for the Indy cars and everything else. But growing up, I wanted to be a race car driver. That was all I could think about growing up. And I learned by the time I was like 13 or 14, I I, I learned like I'll never be a race car driver because I'm a poor kid with a single mom. Like it's just you know it, it wasn't possible. And then by the time I was 16 or 17, I was big. And by big, I'm like, you know, I'm not like fat or anything. I'm just like tall and lean, but tall. And just nothing ever would have worked. I would have never had the opportunity. And so, but my first love at a very, very young age was car racing. I just thought it was so fucking wild. And it's always stuck with me. I do like to talk about it in my podcast because it's a, it's a, it's really my first love of sport. Like I loved it before football, really. I mean, football's sweet. I love football. I love all, I watch all sports. For those of you that are just learning this shit, I watch everything. Fighting and Formula One are my two first loves. I remember football always being on, and I watched it, but I fell in love with college football first, and then I fell in love with the NFL, and I never went back. But that happened a little bit later in my life, especially. I kind of shot away from football because I came from a football family in a lot of ways. And uh, But anyway... Formula One's the Canadian Grand Prix coming up. In my opinion, you hear a lot of people argue on a certain podcasts. I, I like uh, I like Jenny Gao a lot. She finally made it on to that uh, Drive to Survive series. I never even finished the last season. I just I got my wife into it with the first season, and now we actually watch racing together. We don't. We kind of, you know, I use Drive to Survive to get my wife into Formula One, and it worked. And now she doesn't even watch the show. She just watches the races every week. We wake up, we watch the quality, and then we wake up and watch the race. It's been awesome. And she's got her own shit, her own drivers, her own fandom. But the Canadian Grand Prix is interesting. A couple times in my life, it's been, without a doubt, the most boring race. And it's funny because I hear all kinds of stuff on TV, and and even Jenny Gao and, and her kind of crew, they all have their, like, most hated races and everybody always kind of talks about certain races being boring i mean monaco is one of the races that people talk about actually being boring although it's just so beautiful to look at and the only kind of way to 
passes in the pit. The Canadian Grand Prix a couple of times in my life has been like that. Just a train of cars driving, no passing, nothing. And then a couple of years ago, there's that one turn that everybody just kind of slams into the wall. So there is that, at least. At the very least, there's this one turn in in the Canadian Grand Prix that people just get fucking wrecked on. They can't. I don't know why. It's it's really a, a wacky little, like, kind of... It's like a mini chicane, almost. It's, like, cut off. It's not a full turn. It's really weird. You come in at it at a really weird speed, and these guys just slam into the wall all the time. I've seen it happen. Magnuson did it a few years ago. Pretty sure I saw uh, it was the guy that the guy that fucking got burned up a couple years ago. He just slipped my mind. The French driver, anyway. He, uh, <laughs> you know, he's already been out of Formula One for a year, and I forget his goddamn name. But he, I, I mean, like three or four guys in a row. Lando Norris did it too. It's it's a pretty brutal turn, and so there is some action there. But overall, the Canadian Grand Prix, in my opinion, is one of the more boring races. So it's going on this weekend. I keep saying Leclerc is going to get pole and Verstappen is going to win. And now everybody's kind of caught on to that. I've seen a few bet slips that have shown that Leclerc to take pole, Verstappen to win the race. It seems to be kind of a surefire bet right now. Ferrari does not have the ability to win a race. They have the ability to get the fastest lap because, in my opinion, they have the best driver. They do not have the best car. I think him. I think Leclerc and Max are equally great. But the fastest driver will typically get pole because they can. They can risk everything. They don't have to consider anything else other than going the fastest. And Leclerc consistently does that, and so that tells you he's the fastest guy, you know, on the grid. But over a period of time, their car is not good enough. And so Max wins. His car is better. They've had some pretty sweet battles, the two of them, over the last three years. Different places, but it's always been sweet. They're both really talented. Max is about to be a world champion again. And it sucks. <laughs> not, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. At least, I mean, a lot of people will say, at least it's not Lewis Hamilton being a champion again. And it's like, yeah, okay, fair enough. I just wanted it to be a closer championship battle. It's just not going to be, though. Over the next, you know, several races, I, I really do think Red Bull is really going to pull away with it. And then the world championship will be decided. We'll all be kind of looking at the best of the rest, which is kind of how it always is. We thought the regulations were going to tighten things up, and I really did. I think they did. I just think that Ferraris, like I said, they can't win a championship with Bonotto at the at the helm. They got to get rid of him. He's uh, indecisive. He's not confident. He's really smart. If you can find a way to keep him around, that's great. But he can't be your decision maker. That'll be a fun race this weekend. Yeah, I think Red Bull's going to win. Perez probably a one-two finish with. With fucking Ferrari DNFing, I don't know. I can't even say Leclerc's going to get third. I, I don't believe it anymore. I'm not sure they can even finish races because their strategies are so bad. Let me talk real quick about UFC. I'm going to do another podcast about it, mostly uh, with the bets, the fight night pickums. I'm not going to do the fight night pickums yet because the ceremonial weigh-in is not till five o'clock, and I've mentioned many times so. There's the actual weigh-in, which is always good to watch if, if you're a better. But at that, that weight is not what they're going to be fighting at. So if you're a gambling man, 
you have to watch the ceremonial weigh-in. I remember the fight before, what was it? It was the fight that Oliveira missed weight, and uh, he was fighting Gaethje, right? But Gaethje came in at 155, and the next day before the ceremonial weigh-in, he, he showed a picture on his Instagram where he weighed 164. Like, an overnight, he was able to, like, rehydrate and get his body weight back. So the reason I watched the ceremonial weigh-in is because that's really what they're going to look like. And if a guy comes into that looking sick and tired and he wasn't able to rehydrate, that's when you're kind of like the, the, the bell should be going off. Like, oh, shit, he's not looking good. The guys that come out looking good, they rehydrated, everything's good to go. So I watched that. And, and that's on at 5 o'clock tonight. And so I'm going to watch that before doing my fight night pickums. I always do. It's like watching racehorses. You, you, you don't just look at the names. you got to look at the horse. And, and when you talk to racehorses, like uh, people that, that are really into betting on racehorses and know a lot about it, there's all kinds of crazy shit they look at. Like the fucking, I don't know. I, I don't know enough about it. I don't, I don't bet on racehorsing. And, I, and I'm not trying to say these people are horses. I'm just saying when, when they're gambling. I mean, this fight is, fights are based on gambling. Since the beginning of time, by the way. And I know gambling hasn't always been legal, but guess what? When it comes to boxing and fighting, since the beginning of those things, we have been gambling on it. You can go back to like the early whatever era and people have been – you can look at any era of humanity and people have been betting on fights. Go back to Rome, go to the 1800s, any time. You pick any time period where humans were alive, they've been betting on fights. It's and I hear a lot of people say like the NFL is made for betting and 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 all these things like the NFL, NBA, these are betting sports. Baseball, the most betting friendly sport is fighting. It's you know it, part of it is because it's so fast. In the UFC, the worst case scenario is the fight lasted 15 minutes, and so in an evening, I can get 14 fights and I can in a, in a three hour span have. You know, 14 events happen, and if I watch a football game, now there can be a bunch of events that happen in a football game. You can bet on props and all these different ways and shit, but you still have to wait for three hours to find out. In a fight night, I wait 15 minutes to find out what happened in my bet. Now, if you're one of these guys that makes like a that only makes 14 way parlays or something, then yeah, you're waiting all night long. But ultimately, you should be betting on individual fights, and they, and then they're over. And you're right on to the next thing. And so for me, gambling and fighting, it's my favorite thing to bet on. It really is. Because it's its like instant gratification along with like constant stimulation. So if you're into gambling and you're, in, and you're not into fighting yet, that's how you get into fighting. Because it's, it is like constant stimulation to your brain. Constantly. Boom, boom, boom. Next fight, next fight, next fight. And you're just like, maybe you lose... And then you have two wins in a row, and it's like, man, my loss was, I don't even remember it now. I've had two wins since then. And so fighting, fighting's great. It's so awesome. I want to talk about a couple fights that are, obviously the the main event is uh, Calvin Cater and, and Josh Emmett. Josh Emmett's plus 200. I really think this fight, <sighs> man, Calvin looked really good in his last fight against that Giga dude. Everybody thought Giga was going to be the next champion and was a killer. And Calvin sent that dude to the hospital. He looked amazing. Josh Emmett's a really good wrestler. I'm not I'm not sure what I'm not sure what's going to happen in that fight. 
I don't believe it should be minus 200 plus 200. It looks like a plus 100 minus 100 fight to me. But I'm probably going to go with Calvin. I think Calvin, I'm not, a, I can't actually say that yet. I need to see him weigh in. I, I have a feeling Calvin's going to look a lot bigger than Josh. Josh is really jacked. And when you see his body, you're like, oh my God, that guy's muscles are huge. And it's like, yeah. But I think when Calvin stands next to him, you're going to be like, oh, Calvin's just a bigger person in general. Even though his muscles aren't as defined or as cut, I think he's going to look a lot taller and bigger. We'll see. I'm not 100% sure. I'm not totally picking on that fight yet. This Donald Cerrone, Joe Luzon fight's going to happen. They put it on this card. They really want to just like help Donald out, I guess. I don't want to watch this fight at all. It should be on the prelim, if anything. Like I'm not excited. Are there, are there seriously Donald Cerrone fans out there? Are there are, if there are, send me a message on the, and DMs, and I'll apologize. But ultimately, I don't know anybody that loves this guy. <laughs> I don't get it. He's got like a fucking Western movie out with that crazy chick that's into, I don't know. They're all into like, it's like a, it's like a part of the right-wing media, Fox fucking Trump movies. I don't know what the hell it is. I don't know what they're on. <laughs> For me, like I typically just avoid all if I were a, if I were an athlete, if I were a famous person, I would try to play the Michael Jordan angle. Like I don't care about that shit. I would not be starring in movies like pr- produced by, you know, any of this shit. I just wouldn't I wouldn't be a part of it. I would be trying to make money on all angles if I were a famous person. But I'm not a famous person, so I can just kind of laugh at everything. Like, you guys are all fucking idiots. Joe Luzon, I haven't seen this dude fight in forever. Like, I have no interest in watching this dude fight at all, really. I don't I don't know him. I mean, I know him. He, he's been around forever. He's been, he's been around forever. I, don't, I just, like, can't remember when he fought. It's been so long. I don't care. You know, these guys, I don't, I don't understand this fight. It's like a Hall of Fame exhibition or something. I don't, I, weird fight. Kevin Holland's going to fight again. If Tim Means is smart, he's going to take Kevin Holland down and just punish him on the ground. Kevin Holland still hasn't shown that he can go to the ground and do anything yet. I do worry about that. He's minus 286, and I've watched Kevin lose several fights because he doesn't know what to do on the ground at all. Now, Kevin Holland's stand-up game is sick, and he did have that fight recently where he went down and he was being choked, and he gave the thumbs up like, I'm good, I'm all good now, I've learned how to handle this, but... I would still say he hasn't shown enough down there. If I were fighting him, that would be like my way to victory, I'm pretty sure. Julian Marquez is fighting. Uh, that's going to be sweet. Along with, and, and so is Adrian Yanez. The fight I'm most excited about on, a, on the earlier fights is Court McGee. He's going to be minus 120 against Jeremiah Wells. Court McGee's been one of my go-to bets over the last couple years now. He was like a recovering drug addict. And apparently his life was, like, really, really rough. And at one point, when he first came back, I saw him. He had, like, kind of had this crazy, like, goatee, and it cleaned up, and he had looked really healthy. He looked strong, but you can tell he definitely has taken some heat from drugs. And the only reason I know that is because I've just grown up around this shit. And I've, I've been around a lot of this kind of stuff growing up. I still live in an area where, you know, every now and then I'll be walking down the street, and I just see somebody – you'll see somebody just, like, passed out on the ground from OD and shit. I live in a bad neighborhood. But anyway, Court McGee is, uh, he comes from that. And he survived it. And now he's fighting again. And the dude is so fucking tough. 
and he tries so fucking hard, and he's been winning, and I really love watching him fight. A minus 119 is a nice bet on him. He always – he it doesn't – it's never pretty. I'll tell you this. Court McGee, it's rarely pretty. He's not that fast. He's really strong, though, and he's really tough. So watch out for that fight. I'm really excited about that one. There's some crazier fights. The first fight of the night I find weird. They got Kyle Dawkins on the first fight of the night. I'm not sure why. He's become him and his brother have become a little bit more popular, but he's minus two thirty three first fight of the night. We'll see how that goes. I'll check back in. These are the just the couple of fights that I noticed right off the bat where I was like, "Ooh, those are going to be fun to watch. That'll be fun to watch. This won't be fun to watch." So we'll check back in on that. Tim Means, by the way, has been one of my favorite. He's he's part of the Darren Elkins team that I've talked about before. Where these are guys that I always watch out for. They're really hard to beat. Darren Elkins, Derek Minner, Tim Means. These are guys that I've always kept an eye on. He's plus 255 against Kevin Holland. I can't wait to see what he looks like at the ceremonial weigh-in and face-off. I need to see what he looks like before I make a total decision. But that dude is a real dog. Kevin's stand-up game is fucking dope, though, so we'll see. Overall, the weekend, this weekend is going to be pretty sweet. We've got um, the U.S. Open is going on. That's, <laughs> listen, there's people from both sides, the PGA and the Live thing coming out to this thing to play together. Those guys, you know what's funny is that the golfers themselves are destroying golf now. You're not going to watch both events over the weekend, and there's stars on both sides. They're weakening their money pool. There is a rumor, and let me tell you something. And this is what I'm talking about. And don't tell me, like, I don't want to hear shit. Here, here's what I think is, is balling. Tiger Woods reportedly has been offered, like, $900 million to join the Live Tour. And he told them to go fuck themselves. Now, he's obviously already a billionaire, but that would make him a twice a billionaire. He just doesn't give a fuck. Roy McIlroy is not a billionaire, and he told him to go fuck themselves. Why? Because he's already a millionaire. Dustin Johnson's already a millionaire. The only guy that might that really needed the money, in my opinion, was probably Phil Mickelson. That dude, I think if we found out the, the real reality about him, that dude's probably lost all of his fucking money gambling. And he's conned all these fucking guys to go over there, and he's convinced guys like Colin Cowherd and John Middlecoff that this is – for family and money and it's it, you guys would do the same thing and it's like yeah we we would but we're poor people compared to you i mean at me especially colin would take the money why because he's he's a millionaire but he's not like i, I doubt he's got a hundred million dollars and he probably wants it really really bad because he's got a taste me i have nothing and so if i were offered a hundred million dollars to play on the live tour i'd be like yeah i'm in but if i already had 50 million dollars and you offered me a hundred million dollars to play on the live tour i'd be like no no, I'm not going to fuck my own name, character, and all that shit up. And when people talk about Big J journalism and those guys having some moral compass, it's like, yeah, dude, it's like okay for those people to have a fucking moral compass. It's like okay to have standards. It's okay to dislike that shit. And the guys that took the money look like assholes. Rory McIlroy looks sweet right now. He's been taking shots at Greg Norman and fucking Phil Mickelson. Those two guys are the ones that look like the biggest dickheads. And Dustin Johnson just looks like a dummy, follower dummy. Like, ooh, money. 
It's like, dude, you you made seventy million last year. You're fine. The last thing I want to hear is you say this is for my family. Like you have generational wealth already. I don't want to hear it. You just don't have any fucking balls, and that's fine too. Or you don't care about human rights or people, and that's fine too. Like you're allowed to just not give a shit about humans. I, that, no one says you can't. But ultimately, people are going to make a decision about what they think of you. And right now, Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy and the guys on the PGA Tour look like they're better dudes, and you guys look like money-hungry assholes. You're not even on TV. No, I can't even watch your shit. I have to like go online and find a stream of it. Like, no one's. You're gonna be forgotten now. The majors and shit. You guys will show up to these majors, and and you're gonna look. You're gonna find that you're like not loved anymore. These majors are in the United States and in England, you know, the, the British Open, the fucking U.S. Open, the Masters, all this shit's here. And most of the, I mean, I would imagine, what's funny right now is that if you've been to a golf tournament, it's a lot of, it's a very conservative place. And I would imagine, like, a lot of those people are pissed. I don't know. I have no idea. It seems kind of like golf for the first time got kind of political along with financial. I have no problem with, here's the thing, I, I really don't have a problem with other sports companies coming in and trying to compete. And Colin's not wrong about that. Amazon just did it with UFC. They just bought one, and they're going to have their own fight camp. You realize that if if one were to, were to offer Francis Ngannou, like the kind of money that these golfers are getting offered, like, what would that do to the UFC if their current standing champ just left and went to one? That would immediately legitimize one. One would become, they have the heavyweight champion of the world. UFC doesn't. We have their champion now. And he they would have to crown a new champion in the UFC, but he would be illegitimate in everybody's mind. And same thing's happening with golf now. Like the PGA Tour looks illegitimate because... These guys aren't beating the best in the world. Now, the best in the and the and live is illegitimate because it's not even on TV. In some ways, it's like the war of golf started. And now, while it's in wartime, it's going to devalue both companies. The PGA and live are both going to suffer from it. What's funny, too, is because golf is it's is it exploded in a way that it never has. Over the last three years, golf became one of the most popular sports in the United States. And now, and and part of the reason is now they became a target. Like, oh, there's a lot of money to be made in golf. So let's make this new one and we'll we'll bring our we'll bring these golfers over. And now we're a com- a competing business. But what that does is it destroys the two businesses competing. And whoever survives at the end will have to build golf back up. And that's going to take time. And so golf just took a really big hit. It's taking a big hit. And over the next couple of years, it's going to have to build its way back up. Everybody watches the Masters and all these other things. Like, everybody will watch those. But people have been watching everything lately. You know, with they, PGA had a big, you know, the PGA Championship, that shit was, the ratings were probably off the roof. It went to a, a, a playoff with Zalatoris and all these guys. It was crazy. So don't tell me that the PGA doesn't have good content because people are watching it. And now they're going to stop watching it because it feels illegitimate. And same with Live. Like, no one's going to watch that either because it's illegitimate. There's not – all the stars are split up. It's like the USFL and the 
in the NFL way back when, right? Like they didn't, all the stars were split apart. And so you, you just are always wondering, like, who's the best? Who's the best? I don't know. It's a bummer for, for golf fans. I'm not really a golf fan. I don't really give a shit. But I did in the last couple of years with COVID watch a few of the PGA Tours uh, events, and they were fun. And then, um, yeah, now this happened. and I mean, it's good for me. I like talking about it. I like villainizing people. But the PGA now has a bunch of like good guys, and the and Live is like the bad guys. They they could monetize that in some way, where they create a new league where it's like the East versus West or something. I, I don't know. Like they're gonna have to find a new way to to coexist because those two on their own are not gonna make it. One of them will have to collapse, and then everybody goes back to the other one. NHL's been cool. It's the finals. Avalanche look dominant. Hopefully they win it all. Fuck the Lightning. I wanted the Rangers. We'll see. Formula One fights. Check out the uh, next pod for our fight night pickums. I'll get those up after the ceremonial weigh-in. And we'll keep this thing a-rolling forward. Can't wait to talk some NFL coming up. NBA's over. What the hell are we going to do now? I mean, basically, we're going to talk UFC for the next couple months exclusively. We'll pick up the Formula One talk, but NBA and NFL, it's like, oh, shit. What do we do? <laughs> I'm going to talk tennis and baseball. No, I won't do that. Well, maybe. Maybe a little bit. I like tennis. I like all one-on-one sports in case you guys haven't learned that about me yet. That's kind of why I like baseball a little bit too because pitching and hitting are kind of they kind of kind of a one-on-one game a little bit going on there. So, I'll check back in with you guys later this evening, maybe tomorrow morning if uh my power goes out. <laughs> we'll see. Talk to y'all later.